Minehead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday the 15th of January 2023. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week we had a special focus on the work of Compassion UK. We had a guest speaker, Paul Wagstaff from Compassion. The reading is Mark chapter 10 verses 46 to 52. So we'll go and join the service as it's being introduced by Paul. Am I on? Okay, I am on. Good morning, everyone. Morning. <laughs> One of those amazing moments when, because I couldn't quite hear what I was on. It's lovely to be with you and lovely to welcome you to Minehead Baptist Church on this sort of blustery kind of day. If it's your first time here, welcome. You're among family and among friends. Come and just be. If you've been here many times before, welcome. You're among family and among friends. Come and just be. The notices for the week are as per the notice sheet that you would have already had, or if you've not had one, there are some available at the doors for after the service. There are a couple of notices in addition to that. The first one is to say, um, if you're around later and you're having coffee, the, the people that were doing coffee have been unable to do it this morning. We've got that. Lorraine and I had that message. So if you're around and you can help us, please, that would be wonderful, either with serving coffee or with clearing up afterwards. Uh, bless Chris and Brian and, and others for putting the coffee and the, and the tea out, uh, but we will need some help afterwards. So if you're around and you can help, thank you. And the second is to say, of course, it's with sadness this week uh, that we... we uh, learned that Edith McCarran uh, went to be with the Lord. And then we want to say it's with gladness that we learn. Sad because we'll no longer see us sad for Ian and Olwyn and the family. But what a lady and what an, what an amazing witness to say she is with our Lord. So we're going to start this morning by just lifting Ian and the family to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Edith, for the daughter that she was, for uh, your daughter, an amazing witness to who you are and how you love. We thank you, Lord, for the fact that so many of us were touched by her, even changed by her, Lord. We thank you for the pains and the, the aches and the worries and the doubts and the failure memory of the last few years are gone, that she's safe in your arms. And this morning we pray for Ian and Owen and the family. Lord, we pray that you would lift them up and hold them, surround them and love them, fill them and give them your grace. Father God, thank you for a life well lived and praise your name. That your child is home, that Edith is dancing, looking into your eyes and worshipping. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, as we know any more in regards to dates and times and all that sort of thing for a celebration, we will, of course, let you know. Tell her what you think. I, I, uh, this morning, it's Compassion Sunday. Paul, hi Paul. Paul is over there. Hi Paul, how are you? Hope you're okay. Hope we made you welcome. Hope the coffee was good. Um, Paul from uh, Compassion is going to come and speak to us later. He's going to show, before our children leave, some of the stuff that's happening with children in Uganda. And he'll be bringing the word of God to us later on. As I was pondering uh, the very use of the word compassion, my mind fell upon a story. You you know, this is 
others showing what real compassion is like. It's that amazing story in Mark chapter 2. It's about Jesus and he heals a paralyzed man. And in verse 2, it says there of chapter 2, so many gathered there that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. So men came, bringing bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. And this is the bit of compassion that they show. Since they couldn't get to him, that is Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof and basically dropped him down. Compassion drove them. I wonder this morning, if we listen to Paul, whether we could also say compassion will drive us to respond to this need in a desperate world. Father God, speak to our hearts this morning, we pray. Move us to compassion. In Jesus' name. Amen. Laura. Good morning, church. Um, It is great to be up here leading worship with you all this morning. Um, I believe Sue is going to start us off with a bit of an announcement. Uh, Some family news. I think it's somebody's birthday next week. Uh, Begins with L. So can anybody tell me who that might be? It's not mine. It's not mine, no. (laughs) Well, a little birdie tells me it's Lucas's birthday. So is there anybody else whose birthday is next week? Or today, might even be today. Oh, it's all birthday greetings to Lucas this week then. (laughs) So if you want to sing with me as we sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Lucas. Happy birthday to you. We're going to start off this morning by singing a song about how incredibly powerful and awesome our God is. And just singing those words, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Whatever we've brought with us into church today, our God is powerful. And um, yeah, and I think we'll just, uh, we'll launch in and we're going to sing the lion and the lamb. And we're going to take up your offering as we do. It's a very good point (laughs) that I forgot. Hallelujah. Please be seated. I don't know what stirs you to compassion, and I'm going to invite my brother, Paul, to come up and tell you a little bit about compassion. This is Paul Wagstaff. Many of us sponsor children in compassion. You've probably got loads of different reasons why you sponsored the child you sponsored. There's one very simple reason why I and Lorraine sponsor the child we sponsor. His name is Paul, and that just makes it easy to remember. Now I joke. He just had that face that spoke to us. So whatever your reason, uh, I want to invite Paul to come and just share an update with us really about what's happening with those children before our own children leave and that work in Uganda. Um, So I'll leave you to give a very special Mindhead Baptist welcome to Paul. Well, good morning everyone. It is a real joy and privilege to be able to be with you all Uh, this morning. Um, I actually really enjoy coming to Baptist churches because that's where my faith journey began. 
as a 13-year-old young man. And, um, and we're really deeply grateful at Compassion UK for all of our church partners. And so when we come to church services on a Sunday, you know, it's a real privilege to be able to stand in front of people that have given generously, stood alongside children and supported them in their abject poverty. And so I just want to spend a few moments just giving you a little bit of an update through a PowerPoint presentation. And then the majority of children that are sponsored here are in Uganda. And so there's a little brief country update which is presented by one of the children over there of just what's been going on, particularly over this past 12 months or so since the pandemic um, has been lifted and we're beginning to move on with our lives. So... Um, so if you want to just keep a look at the screen and the impact that you have within, with, uh, with the children, you know as individuals and families with that child that you sponsor, but corporately, um, this is really um, the impact that you're having together as a community. So there's been just over 96,000 hours um, spent in the project by the children. And what I love about this statistic is that for every hour that a child spends in a project, it's an hour that they have not spent on the street or begging at the side of the road or doing something else. They've been at a project where they're loved, where they're known, where they're connected, where they've heard about Jesus, where they're building healthy friendships, where they're getting uh, nutritional meals. And so... It's a really important statistic. Those hours spent at the project are changing the children's lives. And there's been almost 27,000 meals given because of your generosity. That's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. And also, as many of you know that sponsor children, they get at least one medical check every year. And if there's any illness that they experience, whether it's malaria diarrhea or something uh, where they may need to go into hospital for additional care, then compassion covers all the expenses of the medicine that they're needed, uh, that they need, sorry, until they're feeling better and get back to full health. So there's been over 516 medical checks by doctors visiting the project and 83 Bibles being given, which is absolutely brilliant. And so just over this past 12 months, there's been almost 20 thousand pounds given from this community I think that's incredible it's amazing that when people come together for a common cause the impact and overflow of that in changing people's lives is amazing and there's also been 55 additional gifts that have been sent to the children so as many of you know that sponsor whether it's a Christmas gift for the child or a birthday gift or a family gift those additional gifts, the finance that you send doesn't directly um, go to the family in cash. It's important that you know that their worker that's working with the child and the family, they sit down with them and they ask them what is the most need that they have in that moment. And the money's used for that purpose. So if it's a little boy and he's had a football and he's lost his football and he really enjoyed playing football. They'll buy him a football. If he needs a pair of shoes or some trousers, that's what the money will be invested in. So the money that's sent additionally, it's accounted for and it's used to the best it can be in that season that it's sent. And so each one of you have the privilege of writing to the children, the children write back. So 215 letters have been sent by the children 
in the past 12 months, and 142 letters have been sent by you here. Can I just continue to encourage you to send letters? They really do encourage the children, and, um, and your words of encouragement um, really do have a huge impact in their lives. So please continue to write. If you don't write very often, I am in that category, or have been, um, it can be challenging, but I would encourage you to write letters, and particularly if you've got the Compassion app. If you don't know about the app, come and see me afterwards and I can talk to you about that, but that makes it really accessible from a smartphone um, for those of us that use those. And so the demographics of the children that are sponsored here, they're the different age groups. There's 23 girls and 19 boys that are sponsored. And the children will be staying in the programmes up until the ages of between 18 and 22, depending on where they're at in their education and what country they're a part of. But I know in Uganda it's, it's closer to the age of 22 um, that they're supported to. And they're the wonderful faces of the children that are sponsored. If you're looking at the screen right now and you think, my child is not up there, then come and see me afterwards and we can connect your child to this church. And in fact, what we'd like to do today, um, because I want to save Paul and the admin team some work, we'd like to just re-audit the church because we know that, you know, over years people come and go and different people join the church. If you can just come and give me your full name and postcode, if you do sponsor a child, we can do an update for those that are sponsoring here um, in Minehead and then add any ones on that aren't currently connected. Is that okay? You all up for doing that as you go through for coffee? Brilliant. And so there's 42 children sponsored here and 37 of those live in Uganda. And so just over the COVID response, there are just some statistics again of how, the, um, how Compassion has been working with the local church and diff the different um, percentages of how they've been working back to coming back to the project fully. As many of you, like we've experienced here, those projects would have been closed for a period of time during the pandemic um, season. And that's just a few images of the types of communities where your children are living right now and the homes that they live in. So more stats there on just the population that, are, that have access to basic sanitation, just 19%. And children between the age of 5 and 17 who are engaged in child labour, 16%. And the mortality rate for, that, for every 1,000 child that's um, been born in 2018 was 49. We're in the business of bringing down those statistics, changing those stats, because every statistic is somebody's life. And so we're trying to make some changes there and transform their communities. And we're only able to do that through your partnership, through your generosity. And so we are really deeply grateful for that. So it just remains for me to say thank you so much for your generosity and for those of you that are engaging with us. We are so grateful for your continued commitment um, and, and seeing children released from poverty in Jesus' name. So there's a short video I'd just like to show you as I just finish um, of just from Uganda, a little bit of an update of what's been going on in terms of the country there and the local churches in Compassion as we work together. Thank you. When I was eight years old, my father was taken away from us. And by that, I mean he was murdered. Nothing was the same for me. 
news began to come to our doorstep from our landlord. We got word that we couldn't stay in the house that we stayed anymore because we couldn't afford it. I'll come up just to fill in the gap because obviously we're online as well. That evidently was the wrong video. Um, we could try and find the right one uh, about Uganda as the update. That was a video, those of you that have been on the, uh, the uh, uh, Compassion website, you'll be able to find that, web, that video there. Um, are we about there, as they say? And that is also a very beautiful country. On behalf we are, so we've now got the right one. Hi, my name is Emily. Greetings from Uganda. I'm Telov. Greetings from Uganda. I'm 12 years old. I'm part of the Compassion Program. I live with my grandma, three brothers and one sister. Our grandmother is a food vendor and she is a very hardworking woman. Did you know Uganda is close by the equator? Uganda is also a very beautiful country. On behalf of all the compassion children in Uganda, I wanted to share a bit about the past year. For children here in Uganda, life has been challenging. COVID-19 disrupted life. All schools were closed and children could not get education. With no schools, many children were idle. Many parents also became jobless. Thank God for compassion. The staff provided psychosocial and healthy care support. Children were counseled, the counseling and hope. They provided help children carry on. Families were also given food in the hard times. My country has hope because God who used compassion and lifted us up when we were down is the God watching over us. The church in Uganda is united to fight poverty. What I like most in the compassion program is learning skills like piano and baking skill. It also provides for our school fees because some children are on street and not learning. I like learning very much. In fact, when I grow, I want to be an actress and a singer. Our dear sponsors, I would like to thank you for everything that you have done for us. I would like to pray for all the sponsors. Father, Heavenly God, we thank you for the great sponsors you gave us. Thank you for their support, Father. I pray for them for long life. I pray for them, mercies, Father. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. God bless you. Well, I know something about the beauty of Uganda. It's very blue, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry about that if you were online and you saw that. But actually, hopefully, more importantly, you got that message, dear church, about the effect 
this is having on those children's life. I want to ask the children before you go, two very simple questions. Is there anybody here that plays the piano? Any child that plays the piano in any way, shape or form? Why child? I mean anyone that's younger than me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, there you go. You see, children and, and young adults all over the world play, play piano, don't they? What about baking? Is there anyone here that's good at baking? Oh, we've got some bakers. Maybe we ought to have a junior bake-off at some stage. All right, if you don't like baking cake, do you like eating cake? Hands up if you like eating cake. Let's see the adults. Hands up, dear adults, if you like eating cake. Come on, confession time. Interesting, isn't it? When we do that, we see that the whole world over, our God is a great big God who takes those children and their, their hopes and their ambitions and speaks to us in the Western world too. Before our young people go to their own part of the service, we're just going to pray for them, give God the glory for them, and say thank you for them. Father, we thank you for that reminder of the way you are changing lives in Uganda. And we pray for our young people that you would change their lives, transform them, we pray, so that in what they learn and all that they are, Lord, you may meet them. And in meeting them, they may come to know you, come to follow you, come to love you, come to trust you. May this morning, Lord, they end the day by being nearer to you than they've ever been before, by loving you more than they've ever done before, and by walking with you closely, more closely than they've ever done before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you are under, Laura, how high would you say? How tall? tall so it's quite hard to okay, say so really. if we go if you're if you're shorter than laura yeah <laughs> is that okay <laughs> i think that lovely to see you guys let's just as they pass you by can i invite you to pray for their young people too <laughs> this is your cue to move last week roy said it felt a bit like an exodus when when the young people went out and i kind of know what he it means really does as they leave we're going to come and turn to worship yeah we'll have to sing even louder now now the children have gone we're going to sing a lovely song called The Lord is Gracious and Compassionate. If you'd like to stand. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Good morning. I'm sure some of you or many of you will be familiar with this World Watch List 2022. Well, this Wednesday is the launch of the 2023 World Watch List. The World Watch List is the top 50 countries where following Jesus costs the most. And on Wednesday in Parliament, the new Watch List is being launched for the face-to-face -face for the first time in three years. Whilst the online launches have been well attended and positively received, there's no substitute for MPs being gathered together in one room to hear about the persecuted family. This year's launch on Wednesday the 18th will feature speakers from North Korea, India and East Africa. I can assure you that will be powerful. Our MP, Ian Littlegranger, fully intends to attend. And we pray that many, many MPs will attend and will be impacted and inspired 
to act. Now that evening, there will be a special prayer event in Westminster Chapel from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. And this will be live streamed. And I do encourage you to join with us and hear first-hand testimony from a North Korean Christian and updates on the latest trends from the New World Watchlist report and pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters. So that's Wednesday evening, 8 until 9. You can access that on, uh, on the Open Doors website or on YouTube. Um, now, the, the current World Watch List, which has been the last 12 months, has seen Afghanistan at number one as the most dangerous place in the world to be a Christian. Now, Afghanistan may have disappeared from our media, but the problems haven't. And just to give you an idea, Brian, if we can, if you can, I've got a short, very short video. Abdullah is an Afghan refugee. It's interesting when you hear about the Afghan the refugees coming here. He's a refugee in Central Asia with his family. In Central Asia, they have to pay for a card giving them refugee status. They have to pay for the rent for their accommodation and their food. And they're not allowed to work. Interesting. They have to keep paying. If they don't renew their card, they get sent back to Afghanistan. But Abdullah is going to tell you a, a little about what's happening in Afghanistan, even though the media isn't. Ordinary people in Afghanistan live in great danger. When they get up in the morning, they can't be sure if they'll live to see the night. And when they go to bed at night, there's no certainty that they'll live until morning. When the Taliban took control of Afghanistan in August 2021, many thousands of Afghans fled the country. 40-year-old Abdullah, his wife Nilafar, and their three children are now refugees in Central Asia. For those who remain in Afghanistan, especially for Christians, life is uncertain and dangerous. Many terrible things are happening that you will not hear in the media, but that we learn from friends and relatives. They say the Taliban often go out in the evenings, break into houses and just kill people for any reason. They just kill people with impunity, no questions asked. Just on the street, they can find any reason. If they find out that a person worked for the state under the previous government, or they served in the army or worked in some office, or in an American organization, and Christians are being killed without a doubt. You can't be a Christian. Being a Christian in our country was dangerous before. In Afghanistan, Sharia has always been higher than the law of the country. According to Sharia, a person who's abandoned his religion is worthy of death. So it was dangerous even before the Taliban, and now the attitude towards Christians is even worse. Life for Afghan refugees living in Central Asia may be less dangerous, but many struggle to find enough work to provide for their families. Thankfully, Abdullah has a job 
and has learned some of the local language. He is building a new life in a new location, helped by the community of God's people. My new faith brought me to the church. It's not just a church. For me, they've become a close family. I can share everything that happens in my life, trusting them more than even my own brother. My siblings don't know a lot about my life, but my brothers and sisters in the church do. Therefore, the church for me isn't just a spiritual communion. It's a real family. Many thanks for the prayers, for the support. Please continue to pray, not only for us, but also for the Taliban. Of course, the Taliban are our enemies, but I ask you to pray for their salvation and also for salvation for our relatives. Thank God that Abdullah, Nilafar and their three children are safe in their new country. Please pray for continued security for them and for their family members back in Afghanistan. Pray with Abdullah for the soldiers and officials of the Taliban. Pray that God will miraculously open their eyes to see that they are not standing for a just cause. Pray that their hearts would instead be turned towards Jesus. Please pray for our partners as they support Afghan refugees in Central Asia, helping to meet their basic needs for food and clean water, providing microloans and trauma counselling. Brian, if, we can have, if I can have the PowerPoint prayer. Um, can we just say this prayer together? It's a prayer that we use at the end of our Open Doors prayers meeting every, every, every month, um, which hopefully will come up in a moment. Can we say it together? Heavenly Father, we pray that you in Afghanistan, North Korea, and other places where faith costs the most. May our brothers and sisters experience your grace and your goodness in the harshness of their lives. And may they know your love, joy, peace, and hope in their hearts. Make them beacons of light to their nations, their families, and their communities. For the sake of your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Friends, we turn to Scripture, to a reading from Mark chapter 10. If you have a Bible that gives things heading, it's probably a headed something like Jesus heals a blind beggar. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man. 
Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Praise be to God for the reading from his word. I'm going to pray for Paul as he comes and brings the word of God to us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you have prepared Paul with the words that we need to hear. May we open our hearts and our spirits to what you are saying to us this morning. And may those that have ears hear. And we pray for our brother that you would give him your word in season, in time, for us individually and for this church. So that, living Lord, in our act of worship this morning, in the words that he shares, you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Paul, can I invite you to come and speak to Fantastic. Can I just encourage you to go on the Open Doors website this week and check out the top 50 countries that are on the watch list. Um, they do an unbelievable work. And um, when I think about Open Doors, I often ask myself, I wonder what I would do as a Christian in that country. Would I still have my faith? Because they, they are so persecuted in many of those countries so stand with this wonderful couple who are championing open doors here and and let's pray for these countries and the christians there as they seek to see the kingdom of god established in those countries amen thank you paul for reading that wonderful scripture to us this morning and um, i'm just going to come and refer to that and encourage us from those words in a few moments but when i listen to or read this particular story, my mind is always taken back to an experience I had when I was 16 years old. A young man that was part of a youth group in a Baptist church in a town called Bedworth in the Midlands. And we had a connection with youth with a mission as they had a base just a few miles up the road in a town called Nuneaton. And I had this opportunity as a 16-year-old young man to go on my very first short-term missions trip. How many of you here have been on a short-term mission trip before? Okay, not too many. But um, it was was a week in my life that that changed me forever. And um, I didn't go too far away. I just went down to London, or up to London, as you should say. And um, it was back in the day. It was in 86, 87. And um, it was when you used to do open-air outreaches which aren't too familiar nowadays, I don't think. And uh, the days where you used to wear your shell suits. Who remembers a shell suit? Yeah. And, um, and I remember this uh, particular first day we was in Leicester Square. And uh, basically we'd set up our kind of speakers and have a microphone and we'd share our story about how Jesus had changed our lives and some of us would do a drama, some of us would dance, and we would share the gospel 
And we would have like three or four hundred people that would gather around in like a big circle and, 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 and listen in. And remember, this man would just stand on the side in this big green trench coat and a black top hat. And after we'd kind of done our outreach, I'd, I'd go over to him and, uh, and I introduced myself. And um, his name was Clint. And um, he was a homeless man. And he'd been on the streets for 25 years. And I remember watching him throughout the day because we'd kind of do our outreach and then we'd kind of break for a little while and then, and then do, it, do, do some more. And he would kind of skip and twist with his arms out and sing going through Leicester Square. And I remember watching people and they'd kind of look at him and just think, who's that weirdo? And everyone would ignore him. And as each day went on throughout the week, I got to know Clint a little bit. I'd sit down and uh, we'd have a chat. I remember one afternoon, I said to him, would you like some food? He said, that would be amazing. And so we went out of the greasy burger just across the way at Burger King. And we sat there at a table and he shared about his life. And he shared a little bit about my life. I hadn't been on the planet for too long. But I was 16 and he'd been on the streets for 25 years. And I remember towards the end of the week, we gave an appeal for people to respond to the gospel as we did each time we did an outreach. And he put his hand up and he responded and I was able to sit there with him on the pavement in Leicester Square and lead him to the Lord. And after each outreach, one of the leaders from YWAM and we were partnering with Ickthus Fellowship as well. They used to say, has anyone got anything to share? And remember this afternoon, Clint put his hand up. He said, I do. And this guy, he pointed at him and said, you've got nothing to say. And if I'm totally honest with you, I wanted to punch that guy's lights out. I was so angry because I'd sat there and shared my life. He'd shared his life and he'd made his decision for Christ. And he looked down upon this homeless man who had just responded to the gospel and Clint walked off and he picked up his bottle of whiskey that he'd put in half an hour ago in a dustbin and he disappeared. Thankfully, he came back and I was managed to talk with him and I left him in the hands of the Ichthus Fellowship and I don't know what happened to him from that moment on. But I remember God did something in my life that week which has brought me to why I'm standing here before you this morning. Got a heart for the poor, the lost, the marginalised, those that are ignored. And that's why when the opportunity to came, came up to work for Compassion, I applied and I feel so privileged to be able to advocate for the poor. But that story about Clint, the reason I share that is because often as Christians, we can ignore the marginalised. And hearing this story of Jesus, who is on his way out of the city of Jericho, Surrounded by his disciples who had spent pretty much three years by his side and surrounded by people who were interested in what Jesus had to teach. Because back then the rabbis used to teach as they walked along the road and here he was teaching. And he was on his way out of the city to go to Jerusalem, a 17 mile walk where he would give his life for you and for me. 
kind of think that Jesus had a lot on his mind at that particular time. He knew what was happening in those days ahead. And as he was teaching, here's blind Bartimaeus. Somebody that was ignored day in, day out. He'd been on the streets for years, I would imagine. Putting the cloak in front of him and sitting with his friends and begging and asking for food. And for something that would help him. But he heard Jesus was in town. And what I find fascinating about this scripture is that he called out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David is also translated to Messiah. He had had the revelation as a blind beggar, as someone who was seen as the least of those within his society, of who Jesus was. And he thought, if I can get in front of Jesus then I could receive a miracle today. And there's a great lesson for us in this story. It's far more than a miracle. It's far more than blind Bartimaeus receiving his sight. It's the fact that here's a guy who was looked down upon, just like Clint was looked down upon, but he had a revelation of who Jesus was. And I want to encourage you this morning, it doesn't matter what your background is, what your story is, what mistakes you've made, what has brought you to this point in life. Jesus is always enough and his arms are always open for every single one of us. Nothing that we've ever done in our lives is too hard for Jesus. His grace is enough. And the second thing that I'm fascinated about blind Bartimaeus is the fact that when he cried out, the crowd told him to shut up. But he thought, no, I'm not having any of that. And he cried out again. He may have cried out even more times, but he had this perseverance, this determination and this faith to believe that he could get to Jesus. And that's a great lesson for us. I'm sure the people that live in those countries that are persecuted, that open doors to an unbelievable work with, they have that faith, that determination to live for Christ every day. And what I find in my life is that I'm surrounded here in the West, in the UK, by a lot of distractions, by a lot of comfort. And sometimes I rely more on myself and maybe that money I've got in my bank account than not having that faith and reliance on Jesus as much as what I should have in my day-to-day life. And blind Bartimaeus had this faith, this determination. He wasn't going to give up that day. And in fact, the amazing thing was that in verse 49, the words say, Jesus stopped and said, call him. And all of a sudden, the crowd began to say, get up. As a a few moments before that, they were saying, shut up. Jesus changed the rhetoric of the crowd from shut up to get up. Why? Because he stopped. He stopped for a blind beggar. And he said, call him. And so Bartimaeus went and stood in front of Jesus. And I've always thought when reading this scripture, why why didn't Jesus just go to, to blind Bartimaeus? Why did he ask him to come to him? And I felt one day as I was reading this scripture that, God said it was the act of faith, his action, 
It wasn't just his belief, it was the fact that he stepped towards Christ that day as Jesus called him. And it doesn't matter whatever we face in life, however tough or difficult your circumstances can be, Jesus wants us to approach him. He wants us to step forward in an act of faith to believe that he can meet that need that we're praying for, for ourselves or for somebody else. I love the fact that God uses the marginalized, those that are poor, those that have nothing to teach us some lessons in life. But also Jesus is our greatest example, isn't he? I don't know about you, but I find Jesus hard sometimes. His words, those red words in scripture, as you read them, they're challenging, aren't they? Because they challenge us to, to change our heart and how we think. And I love that Jesus in this particular story shows us that actually the right thing to do is to stop for the poor. And those that live in the margins. It's actually right to stand alongside them. And to support them. Because as we do that, just as Jesus did here in this scripture, he set blind Bartimaeus free. He received his sight because that day blind Bartimaeus had faith. And we have an opportunity to set people free from poverty. Whether that is a physical aspect, an emotional aspect. Or a spiritual aspect. God places people in our lives. And he's placed people within this community of Minehead. And the surrounding areas. For you to come alongside. For you to stop for. For you to stand alongside. And see him set free. And to send him into a future. That is very different from the one that I've experienced to that point. The closing words of this particular portion of scripture says. Your faith has healed you immediately. He received his sight. And follow Jesus along the road. I do wonder if blind Bartimaeus, who had received his sight that day, followed Jesus all the way to Jerusalem. And may even have been a witness as he hung on that cross and sacrificed his life for each and every one of us. And today in this moment, I just want to encourage you. To take every opportunity to stand alongside those that are less fortunate than ourselves. I know there's some tremendous work that's going on in this community through the church and churches. Food Bank's a great example of a tremendous work that the church is doing in Minehead and across the towns and villages and cities in this country. Of providing food for those that cannot buy enough food to feed their families during the week. If you're not involved in a project that's serving the poor in your community, then I'd encourage you to get involved. When you give, it does something inside your spirit, doesn't it? I've been fortunate enough to go to the field and see the work that God's doing in these countries that Compassion have the opportunity to work in. And what I love about our work is that we partner with the local church. You see, 
those 42 children's lives that we saw on the screens earlier this morning, their lives are being transformed through the generosity of people within this church. You see, it's through partnering with the local church that lives are transformed. And every child that is sponsored in Compassion, and there's 2.2 million, million of them at the moment across the world in the 26 countries that we work in, every child is known because they're connected to a local church partner in the field. And all we endeavour to do at Compassion is to enable the church which is the only institution that God has ordained to fulfill his mission on this planet. We want to enable the church to serve the poor in a way that they wouldn't be able to do without our support. And so the churches that are on the ground, and I think there's about 450 churches in Uganda that are partnered with us, serving about 126,000 children and young people and their families. But it's all because of the local church. And we're helping them serve the poor in a way that they would never have been able to do without the support of people like you. I know times are quite tough at the moment for us here in the UK in different aspects. I don't know how much impact the cost of food is having on you and your family or the cost of fuel that you put in your car or heat your homes with. I know I daily look at my little app to see how much gas we're using just to make sure we're not going overboard. But whatever impact that's having on us, I know the reality for millions upon millions of people throughout the world that their lives are so much less fortunate than ours. And I just want to read some stats out in this moment too. Just put into perspective how people live in some of the countries that we're working in. In terms of the food crisis right now. So in Sri Lanka, one kilogram of powdered milk is increased 206% to the cost of £6.96. When the daily income is £2.29. That's three days' wages for one kilogram of powdered milk. In Uganda right now, maize flour has increased 150% to 95 pence. The daily income for Ugandans right now, for those that live in extreme poverty and have survived on less than £1.95 a day, which is the demographic, demographic that we work with, their daily income is 45 pence a day. Two days' wages for a bit of maize flour. In Haiti, bread rolls have increased 300% to £1.43. A large bag of rice has increased 306% to £23.34. The monthly income for those that are living in Haiti right now, is £21.39. Could you imagine spending a month's wages on a large bag of rice? It's difficult to comprehend, isn't it? But these are the families that you're supporting. 
that we're standing up for and advocating for, to give them hope, to see them set free from poverty in Jesus' name, in a physical sense, but also in a spiritual sense, as we see many of our children respond to faith, who place Jesus at the centre of their lives, who begin to dream and have a hope for the future and go on to not just see themselves released from poverty, but those that are within their families. And this morning, if you're here and you don't stand alongside a child through compassion in poverty and sponsor them, then I just want to encourage you to come and see me afterwards. I'd love to have a conversation with you. We do have some children here this morning that are looking for someone to stand alongside them. It's £28 a month which you know is in a small amount, but it is a life-changing amount. And we guarantee at Compassion that at least 80% of that money, it's more like 87% goes to directly impact that child. And what it provides is the Holistic um, Discipleship Programme, which gives them a place in school and gives them the education that they deserve, rather than a 12-year-old girl in some of these countries that would be married at the age of 12 because her mother and father can't afford to feed her anymore. And she's robbed of her future, her education, and her hope. It provides for that 10-year-old boy that's sent to the rubbish heap day in, day out to find plastic that he can sell so he can get some money to provide food for his family. That's the reality of poverty for millions of children. It gives them Christ-centered guidance, medical checks, healthy meals, a one-to-one relationship with their sponsor. Each sponsor is their sole sponsor. It's not multiple sponsors. Recreational activities and vocational training. It does transform their lives. And I'd like us just to watch another video, the one that we began to see earlier on of a young man called Richmond from Uganda. It's about five minutes long, but his story is incredibly powerful because somebody chose to stand alongside him as a young man and see his life changed and transformed through their generosity. So let's just watch the video of Richmond from Uganda. When I was eight years old, my father was taken away from us. And by that, I mean he was murdered. Nothing was the same for me. News began to come to our doorstep. From our landlord, we got word that we couldn't stay in the house that we stayed anymore because we couldn't afford it. My mother had no job. My father was the only breadwinner. We moved from where we stayed to a place called Naguru Kasenke, which is one of Uganda's largest slums. And then I was introduced to our new home which was a 12 by 12 room. I looked up on the roof. It was a tin roof that had holes in it. I've been to places where when it rains, people are happy. They get excited. But for me growing up, whenever it rained, that was a night that would stay standing. Get little buckets, place just where the holes in the roof are, and wait until morning. A reality hit me that day. This was life. 
I remember when my mom said to us, there was no money for food. That ushered us into a place where we were now going to begin to go to the street to fend for food. Hunger began to set in. Lack of water. I was a kid. I, I didn't have time to be a child anymore. As I lived like this on a daily basis, poverty began to speak to me as a child. I felt I was nothing. I didn't matter. Nobody cared to know my name. I think the best way I could describe who I was and what I thought is the word hopeless. My mother, in tears, uh, approached one of her friends just to share with her friend. And her friend shared with her about compassion. Compassion staff members immediately came to our home. Uh, I remember them coming with uh, just uh, files to, to, to get details of who we were, what our story was. I got the news that a young lady, Heather, she was 15 years old, a teenager. She had decided to sponsor me. I cannot find the words to describe the joy that filled our home when we got the news. Richmond, you've got a sponsor, which means you can now go back to school. It means food will be given to us because of you. I began to walk into that reality that ushered in me an opportunity to rekindle this hope that was taken away. Heather began to write to me, to hear words like, Richmond, I love you. Richmond, I'm praying for you. They began to bring healing into places that were destroyed by voices and poverty and my self-image. I remember my day, June the 3rd, 1996. I walked forward to accept the Lord Jesus in my heart. I began to feel, wow, I have been released from poverty. I have been released. God began to continue to grow the leadership within me. And then I felt fully called to pursue pastoral ministry. I began the Pastors Discipleship Network, a ministry that exists to train and equip pastors. And I spend a lot of my life training and equipping pastors in the Word of God. Looking back, into my life and thinking where I am right now and what I'm doing, I don't think any of this would have been possible without compassion. Compassion works. Everything that was placed within the program has helped build me to who I am right now. Poverty is not just the lack of money, the lack of material, food and water. Poverty is in. It's deep. I credit a lot of how I feel now about myself to those letters that I received from my sponsor. My name is Richmond Wandera, and I was released from poverty in Jesus' name. Powerful story, isn't it? What I love about Richmond's story, that video is a number of years old now, and I always get encouraged because it was just over 71,000 children being impacted, but now it's about 125,000 um, in, in Uganda alone. But um, Richmond, he 
He attended the church as a young man at the project where he went as a compassion child. And now he has the privilege of leading that church as a pastor. In fact, he felt called into ministry, as you've heard on there, and also leading the Discipleship Network. And up till this point, he's trained over 4,000 of the church leaders. Just before the pandemic, we invited him at Compassion UK to become one of our board members because we know people like Richmond can help us do what we do even better. I think he's just had his second child as well, along with his beautiful wife. And I think, I wonder where Richmond's life would be right now if that 15-year-old girl from the UK named Heather chose not to sponsor him. But that's the power of partnership. That's the power of standing alongside those that are far less fortunate than ourselves. And so I hope that story inspires you, encourages you, for those of you that are sponsoring, to keep doing it, because it does transform lives. And for those of you that would like to know more, and perhaps even sponsor someone this morning, then I'd love to see you afterwards, after the service. I've got about eight profiles, just like this little girl here, Angelina. They're all from Uganda. She's age seven, and there's just information about her and her family and where she lives. And then it's quite easy to do, just fill in some details, and we can set it all up for you. And you can change someone's life forever. So before I hand back over to Paul, just allow me to have the privilege of praying for you as a community. Thank you so much for having me here this morning. Um, I don't take it for granted. It is a real privilege to be able to share with the church. So, Father God, I just want to thank you for this wonderful community that gather here at Minard Baptist Church. I want to thank you for Paul and his leadership and how each, each person here today has responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ to choose to be a follower, to choose to be an apprentice of Jesus, a disciple, and go on that journey of faith, not just to be impacted by you, Father God, and you, Lord Jesus, but to be used to build your kingdom. And so I pray for every initiative, every connection, every prayer that is being prayed for community and uh, for people in this community, whether it's, it's someone in their neighborhood or a friend or a family member. Lord, I pray that you would do what only you can do that you would bring salvation to people's homes, that you would meet the needs of those that are experiencing poverty right now, whether it's with food, whether it's through a relationship of just being incredibly lonely. Lord, we're here to serve those that you've put around us. And thank you also that we get the privilege of serving those that are overseas that are living in abject poverty or living in a country where the church is persecuted in a way where their lives are at danger because they've said yes to Jesus. Lord, give us the eyes to see your heart 
Give us that spirit. Just like Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land and they saw differently from all the others. They saw the potential and the hope that was in that country, in that land. Because they believed that God was with them. And Lord, as we believe today that you are with us, I pray that you would give us courage to live the life that you've called us to do. To never take it for granted, but to lean into you each day of our lives so that we can see miracles happen. People come to faith, people's needs provided for. To see this church growing in number because people are coming to you. Thank you, Lord, that each one of us have got our part to play. In Jesus' name, amen. You can find out more about the work of Compassion over at CompassionUK.org and about Open Doors at OpenDoorsUK.org. To leave a comment, please go to mindhead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.